With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Kaylor Hodges is coming in. So howdy, uh, howdy. first and foremost, sir, uh, since the last time you were on the show, you uh, let, let, go ahead and flash for those watching on Twitch. Go ahead and flash that left hand. Awkward thing. Can't do that. Oh, Get rid- no. It's getting resized. Ah, okay. Okay. So, uh, Kaylor got married, by the way. Yes. Yes. And uh, he was touring minor league ballparks. Yep. And it was, and and I, I give you full credit for going to a McCormick Field, Nashville, North Carolina, as you were flashing, uh, you know, as you were flashing all of the places that you and the boss were going to. Yep. Although the prices, from what I understand, for going to Asheville tourist games, uh, it, it it it's pretty steep in some in some spots. So funny enough, so she had lived in the area uh, very recently, and we were planning to go to a game earlier that year. And they we had bought tickets when they were super cheap. We had a discount code and everything, and it got rained out, completely canceled. And they said you can redeem these tickets at any time except for the July third. Uh, which is their independence day so they were like five dollar tickets and we were like oh well guess where we're going to be during the honeymoon we might as well just use these tickets that we spent five dollars on so yeah end up working out it's by the way if you haven't been to mccormick field it is beautiful and if you want to make it a double day um right up the hill is Asheville city and so if you want to do a double dip of soccer and baseball all on the same day, it's right there for you. Yep. And that, and that's, that's key. So, uh, UNC Asheville, while their stadium and uh, their stadium is being renovated right there and carved into the hillside, but Asheville tourists, UNCA, Asheville city, uh, mystery soccer theater, 3000, all those folks up there. It's, it's really cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, what, what else did you end up doing on the honeymoon? Did you continue touring parks or what? Um, so we went out to Greenville, um, which is where we got engaged. So we decided to go up to Greenville and, you know, do all that kind of stuff, all the kind of touristy stuff. But honestly, she was uh, sick as a dog. So we ended up not doing a whole a whole lot, you know. But, you know, there's some things. Hey, if I'm if I get to choose to be sick either in my apartment or, um, you know, in a really nice luxury place to stay, I might as well get the luxury place to stay mm-hmm. uh, and the ring was sized by the way it's just <laughs> the day that i tried it on my fingers were so swollen and oh. we didn't realize that mm. and then the when we put it on the day of it just fell right back off <laughs> wow well it was bad. 
and I'll, I will give you. All right. So since this is rings down here, uh, wedding ring, wedding rings down here, uh, I will show for those on Twitch. I, I will show. All right. So you, my ring, my ring fingers are right here. There is about a quarter of an inch difference in my ring fingers because of all the sports I played while I was growing up. You know, you get your fingers mashed, you know, from <laughs> baseballs and basketballs and things. So when we got it measured, I told I told the boss, I said, measure it here at the knuckle because it's been broken so many times. So that way you can be assured that the ring goes over the knuckle and it stays because literally you see this. I mean, for those watching on Twitch, you see how this is not coming off because of how many times this has been broken. It was measured here. And in our ceremony, the boss is literally jamming the <laughs> jamming the wedding ring. And you see you, you watch the you watch the tape. She is literally jamming the wedding ring over the knuckle so where it stays. So literally, this ain't coming off. And so we measured it right there. At the, we measured it right there at the knuckle. And so it takes a, a lot of work. So uh, welcome, welcome to the land of uh, wedding rings down here, Kaylor. So congratulations yeah. once again. Uh, the reason that we have you on and, and Morrissey and the rest of the at the USL show is to talk about USL championship. And we it's like to talk about wedding rings. Yeah, so we talk about wedding rings. That's yeah. absolutely correct. And you got to get Morrissey figured out with all this kind of stuff. But yeah. uh, we have you on to discuss USL Championship the last Thursday of every month. And we, since we're at the, the halfway point of the season, what I wanted to do, in addition to looking back at the last month, is look back at the first half of the year. And like we did with Bart Keeler, do a round of red light, yellow light, green light again but take it from not just the month that we haven't seen you, but from the halfway point of the season and see who your reds and yellows and greens are, who your MVPs are, uh, you know, all, of those, all of those half season superlatives. I want to kind of get into that as we go here with your visit. So when you look back since our last visit, what has gone on in USL Championship that has, uh, that has really struck you guys at the USL show? Um, honestly, this year, what has shocked me anyway, has been the amount of coaches fired. Yeah. It feels like almost every single week we're getting a new sacking, right? And it's not unusual for coaches to be fired. This is the time of year for them to be fired because teams feel like they're still in it, but enough of the season's gone by to realize that they won't be in it. If they stick with the coaching longer is that time of year, but there's been a lot of movement this year. Uh, Chapel, I think, was the first one to go out in Orange County. And then a big name that just got fired was, you know, Tab Ramos in Hartford, mm -hmm. which a lot of people were very much like, whoa, Tab Ramos, he's going to Hartford. This is a big thing. But I'm a, I'll be brutally honest. I was never a believer in the project just because and you can see it if you just look at the uh, box score last year, Hartford could score with anybody. They had attacking players, attacking players, attacking players. They had zero defense, and this year they blew a lot of money on attacking players. They didn't bring in like any defenders, and the defenders they did bring in, you know, God love them, they're a little over the hill. They're not the same defenders that they were, and they've invested all this money on scoring, but they can't defend to save their life, and <laughs> it was – it was what it was, but that was kind of what stuck out to me so far. It's just been there's hasn't been a whole lot of coaches and a whole lot of teams that have survived 
not playing well other than Las Vegas, really. Mm-hmm. Everybody's been really proactive this year. When you look at the the standings in and of itself, I mean, legitimately, if you sit there and you're going, okay, fired, 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 and you know, you're kind of looking at Vegas and you're going, man, that was a rough start, not winning, not, not getting a win in your first 10. And then with Hartford being at the bottom of the standings, only winning two of their first 16, I want to say two, 10, and four yep. is what sticks in my mind. Traditionally, now in the time that you've covered the USL, are we developing quicker firing fingers, or is this just you know kind of how things have developed out this year? Is this a is this a developing trend where folks are getting that folks are getting you know a little less patient on the roll, or, or is this just this year that you think? I don't necessarily think it's there are becoming more quick to fire more or less than they are not as patient as they used to be. I think in the past, and I know that sounds like the same thing, yeah. but in the past, I think the USL championship especially was a real victim of trying to see out the long-term project for too long. I think a lot of clubs just said, no, 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 we will give them the full three years you know, to build this team when, yeah, a lot of teams you'll see, hey, the roster isn't theirs. They need to get a year in. But when you're seeing a lot of, I mean, just toxic locker rooms and you can tell on the field and you hear the stories coming out from players of this isn't going well in the locker room, this isn't going well in the locker room, a lot of front offices were willing to turn a blind eye. This year, they, they're just being more proactive. And I think a lot of that has to do with there are no MLS two bottom feeders anymore. There's no one that's like just holding up the bottom and people are realizing just how bad their team really is. When it comes to, I mean, when it comes to, you know, how bad things are, I mean, obviously Vegas right now, one, eight and six in their first 15, they've lost four in a row after they were, they hadn't done anything. They hadn't won in their first 10. They win one. And now they've lost four in a row on the back end of that. They are far and away the team that's hurting the most on the West. We mentioned Hartford in the East, uh, the Miami FC and uh, Anthony Pulis. They have they have separated. Mm-hmm. FC Tulsa, uh, you know, they're at 13 points. They're outside of the playoff zone right now in the Eastern Conference. I think Detroit City has kind of found their way after a rocky start. I mean, Detroit City was hurting early on, and they seem to have kind of found their way, and they're hovering right there with Loudon at the bottom of the the playoff picture in the east. Uh, I, I guess let's just go ahead and get into to green light, yellow light, red light. Which direction do you want to start with uh, with uh, the, the league? Where do you want to go? Do you want to go up or do you want to go down? Um, I want to – let's start a little bit low just so right. we can end on a high, I suppose. Yeah. All right, um, so let's go with your red lights. Who are they? Yeah, um, red lights. I, I mean, it's Tulsa and um, Miami right yeah. now. Um, you know, just to kind of give a little bit of context, I suppose. You know, you mentioned Las Vegas and how bad their record is, but if you actually watch, they're a lot more competitive than you think, right? They are constantly in matches they've had a really tough season like just strength of schedule this season so i don't think their record is truly indicative of how good they actually are don't get me wrong i don't think they're good but i don't think they're as bad as their record says right meanwhile tulsa they have shed players 
They have traded players. They right. have brought in players that have done nothing. And a lot of their signings preseason that I adored them for, like Levis, who they sent over to Detroit City for Tommy McCabe, mm-hmm. it made no sense to me because Levis has the chance to be a real deal all USL left back. And it doesn't make sense. As for Miami, I have been red light on them since they've joined the league because they constantly have talent. I mean, if you look at their roster, I think you can make a real deal argument that they have the best roster in the East. And they've done nothing with it. I have been out on Miami for a long time now. And I've and I kept and I just kept saying I will not believe it until they forced me to believe it. And three years now, I have not been forced to believe anything besides they will be disappointing. I when you when you look at Tulsa, I mean a lot of folks were wondering about the the Rodrigo Philip Goodrum trade and, and everybody was like ooh okay and it just the it has benefited Memphis 901 no end and Philip Goodrum in Tulsa I think Philip Goodrum has gone into a black hole in Tulsa yep. it's like he has disappeared and gone off the map when it, after the the tail end of this trade now you say that but He's actually been more productive in Tulsa than he was in Memphis. Okay. It's just, I'm not saying that means he's better there. I just mean this is how bad he's been. Yeah. Um, you know, he, out of the entire USL, I mean, he, Philip Goodrum, leads the USL in touches in the penalty box. And he has, what, three goals, two of them penalties? Mm-hmm. I mean, he has not been productive at all. Um. He is. Um, meanwhile, you're looking at Rodrigo da Costa and this Memphis team, which has an offline, you know, attack right now. He is. He's leading. Like he's all world right now in just having assists. You think he's the goal scorer because that's why he was forced to be in Tulsa. But that's because nobody in Tulsa was really doing anything. But now that he can sit back, play a true number ten, distribute the ball, and score when he has to. I, I think it really shows that Tulsa thought they had a scoring problem when they just have an attacking problem. They don't have anybody to pass the ball. They don't have anybody to score the ball. They brought in someone who can score the ball, but they still don't have anybody to pass the ball. Meanwhile, they had DaCosta, and DaCosta was scoring the ball a little bit. He was really doing well in creating chances, but again, no one was there to finish it. I I just think that Tulsa came in with this vision of what their players were without truly understanding the players that they had. All right. So yellow light for USL championship and what we do once again, yellow light can either be trending from red toward green. It can be trending from green toward red. Either way applies and you can have a repeat answer from the month before. It just has to be a different reason. Um, I think this one's a weird one. I and this is a yellow light, and I don't really know where they're trending. I think they're just yellow. Mm-hmm. It's Louisville City. Okay. Um, and it's really not that they're bad, but they're not as good as you think of. I mean, for people who don't follow the USL, you hear Louisville City. This is a team that has never missed the Eastern Conference Championship uh, since their inception, and they're in fifth. Yeah. Right now. And it's not a oh tough run of form or whatever fifth. It's a their defense is awful fifth. And 
they've had some pretty good goalkeeping play out of them. Um, but their defense is a revolving door and people will say, well, it's because that Joshua Winder guy that gets sold for a million dollars to, to Benfica. That's obviously why he hasn't been playing if he's going to Benfica. Right. But even when he was playing, it wasn't good. I, I don't, I like to sing the praises of the USL, but I don't know why he was the million dollar man. I don't think he's worth that. Um, but even so, so I mean, Louisville has players. They have a good team. Their midfield can play with the best of them, but their back line, which has been a strength for them in the past. I mean, you can make conversations. They are the best, one of the best back lines. It just isn't working. Um, as for a team that's kind of trending, I again, another firmly, I don't know where they are kind of yellow <laughs> is Phoenix rising. Wow. Phoenix last year, they were bad. Mm -hmm. I don't think there's any guess out of that. They are bad and they are kind of figuring it out. They've brought in guys that are more proactive. I think one thing last uh, this year that you would see last year and this year is that they didn't have a whole lot of players that were really proactive in the attack. They were not a slow buildup team, but they like to build up. Meanwhile, they bring in Armanakis from uh, Loudon, and they bring in and they already have uh, Danny Trejo this year, who makes way from uh, Light slash uh, LAFC, and they have they are two of the top five players in making progressive runs, advanced runs, right? And so there's constantly poking and prodding at this back line. They're constantly, you know, doing things, and even so, Ortega is the guy that's scoring all the goals for them, and. If they can find someone, you know, whether it be Armanakis finally getting on the end of it, or if it is, you know, Danny Trejo finally putting some goals there, I think they could be trending up. But right now, all the pressure is on is on uh, Ortega, and if he scores, they win. If they don't score, it's a draw or a heavy loss. All right. So then your green light, Kaylor Hodges, hanging out with us uh, at Kaylor Hodges at the USL Big USL show uh for their uh monthly visit here uh, on sdh to break down everything in usl championship so green light who are your green lights right now i mean it, you'd be remiss to not just say pittsburgh outright right now bob Lilly uh, would scream at you otherwise yeah i <laughs> i mean he'll probably do that anyway <laughs> um 45 minutes lights turned off in the stadium still screaming at me in there uh, <laughs> um Bob, I mean, this is a team that I had zero faith coming into this year, and they've proved me wrong because Lily Ball does Lily Ball things. He, they just constantly do it. I, I do think that they are an injury away from seeing their form fall off. Um, and we'll talk about that in a little bit. When we, I think, if we talk about the uh, midseason awards, if yep. we end up doing that still, we, oh, yeah. Um, but you know, and I'll save that a little bit. But if I want to look out the west, look, Sacramento Republic sitting at the top, uh, Monterey Bay is there, but I'm in love with this El Paso team, uh, full on green light. They were a team that I thought would be com really competing for a wooden spoon award this year oh, i thought that's who they were 
okay. because I mean, they bring in a coach that had one of the worst seasons in the Swedish first division ever after having one of the worst seasons I've ever watched of a USL team. And this year they do it. This is coming after Lowry is in Indy. They lose Hutchinson that, well, they, made him go away and then they bring in a guy that looks like the worst hire out of any of them and what he did was i mean he gave him the bill clinton special not that one uh which is (laughs) which is keep it simple stupid like he he simplified everything instead of this crazy diamond narrow formation and hey we're going to play with this intense sweeper keeper and we're going to hold possession he went with the 4-4 epping too <laughs> and we are just going to build it like a normal team let's go back to when you were eight mm-hmm. and it looks so much better all right so uh since it is the midway point of the season, and I know that I've had you do a little homework. Your your midseason superlatives. I feel like we're 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 breaking open the the at USL show yearbook here. So all right, so superlatives here, senior superlatives and midseason superlatives for uh, USL. So what categories do you have so we can break them down? Who? How did you how did you break down your your categories here? So I mean, you have to have an MVP. Okay. Um, MVPs kind of have to be up there somewhere. Right. Um, I I don't like doing the Golden Glove Award. I just like to call best goalkeeper because they're normally not the same thing. Got it. Um, and I think the one that has, I'm going to call it the most likely to improve. Okay. Those are kind of the three that I decide to go with because, I mean, you have your top of the top of, and you have your good goalkeepers, and you have which is the team that really could be on the rise. Those All were right. the kind of the ones that I was looking at. All right. So then let's work our way from the bottom to the top. The most likely to improve in the second half of the season is whom? Um, just kind of with the talent that they have, with who they are as a team, and you kind of already hinted at it. Detroit City. Mm-hmm. Um, they have already started turning around a little bit. They have a defense that can play with anyone. They're not going to be blown out. They're just not. That back line is ridiculous. And they're starting to get a little bit of goal scoring now. I think we talked about Levis, right? And the thing that he brings into that left back side is that they actually have a left back now. And I think that ability to actually play down the wings, which they haven't been able to truly do, uh, throughout this year, I think that's going to bring in more service into the box. And while I don't think they're going to be true title contenders this year, I do think that they're going to ruin somebody's season in the playoffs. And that's a big jump from where they were, which when they were really competing for that wooden spoon. No doubt about it. All right. So we're not going to give Golden Glove, but best keeper. Who is best keeper of the first half for you? Paul Blanchett. Um he, I've talked about him before, Oakland Roots. He's the guy, if you look at how many goals they've given up, you would say there's no world where he is winning, you know, this best goalkeeper award. Right. He has been under insane pressure this year. Um, the thing that I like to go to, and it's kind of hard to see uh, on most of the stats or whatever, it's not XG. I like to just see, like, what is a competitive XG? Right there, um, you know, how many shots is he actually facing? Right. And in the game that they just played yesterday, he conceded two goals. Well, when as in terms of shots on target, he they expected him to concede three. 
<laughs> that's not even that's not even considering the shots that were off target and the shooting gallery his backline's putting on him. Oakland, he is. I don't think there's been there's only been two games this year where he has underperformed his xG, which that's ridiculous to say. And on top of that, his distribution's been pretty good. Um, he has done a really good job at like just getting his wings involved. He's been doing a good job of being a real forward presence. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you would also, if you want to say the best goalkeeper, I think you could also look at Nate Steinwasher because he is just a big time player. But right now I'm fully going with uh, Paul Blanchett. All right. So then who is your first half MVP? Dequa. Albert, Albert Dequa. Uh, he has been a one man scoring machine for Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And, I think for me, this is a personal bias thing. It says a lot whenever I'm giving an attacker the MVP because I I love to just say the back line and your goalkeeper are more important than the guys who score goals because normally you have multiple guys scoring goals if you're good. I mean, this has been Dequa's year. He has been ridiculous. He's tied at the top for you know your golden boot. And... The next closest guys are Kiza and uh, Shonumi. Mm-hmm. And those guys will just have two goals. The, it's the Dequa show. And without him, I don't think this Pittsburgh team is in conversation of being the best team in the USL. And he is carrying that offense. And luckily behind him, he has an insane defense that can bail him out if he doesn't score. Yeah. But he is turning one point into three points on a weekly basis. And Bob Lilly will yell at him if he doesn't. So yes, uh, he's in right, fear. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pittsburgh's unbeaten in their last five, by the way, at eight, two, and six. Two points clear. But this is the interesting part of this to me is that you look at the conferences, and right now you mentioned where Lou City's hanging out in fifth. They are 25 points. They're five points out of first. But one through four are separated right now by only two points. Pittsburgh's yep. 30. And then you've got Charleston Battery, who've turned things around with Ben Pierman. You've got Memphis 901, who's at 28 points. Matches in hand, two if not three, with the folks above them. And then you've got Tampa Bay, who got off to an awful start. And they have swung things back around to where they're at 28 points. So you look at the East, and I think the East is developing into a street fight where you look at the West. You mentioned El Paso. And Sacramento is right now 32 points, averaging two points a match right now through their first 16 Sacramento and El Paso are trying to give themselves a little bit of distance because then you get into the street fight for the rest of the playoff spaces. And if the playoffs started today, which they're not, but still, Monterey Bay to Phoenix, three through eight, separated by four points right now in the Western Conference. Monterey Bay's at 26, unbeaten in their last five. They've won four in a row. San Antonio being San Antonio. Oakland, you mentioned Blanchett. San Diego Loyal, a little lower than what we're used to seeing out of Loyal right now at 23 points. Switchbacks had an awful string about a month and a half ago, and they've kind of rebounded from that a little bit. They're at 22, and Phoenix Rising's at 22. So it's like the races at the top are chasing the top in the east, and the races after one and two in the west where everybody's trying to climb over each other to stay in the playoff picture. It's, it's interesting races coming at it from different places. 
it, this is the same thing that happened last year. Funny enough, I mean, this is the one thing where the USL is weirdly consistent. If you look at the final day last year, the final home playoff spots in the East were up for grabs. You, we had no idea where people would be finishing. Meanwhile, the West, you're like, other than, you know, you have your, uh, I think it was San Diego and San Antonio last year. Yeah. Other than those teams, you said, oh, they're going to finish first and second. You had no idea what was going to happen in the West. And that was just kind of how it was going. And it's weirdly consistent that it stayed like that this year. I think what you're seeing, and this is kind of the truth from last year as well, is that in the East, your talent is at the top you know who your talent is, and then the drop-off is huge. I don't think it's as big this year because, I mean, this is me having a little bit of homerism, a little bit of bias, right? But I think one through six in the East are where your talent is, and then after that, you're seeing a big drop-off. Meanwhile, in the West, I think you can see your top, I, I guess you could call it top four, but not a lot of people, I think, would really give the benefit of the doubt to Monterey, even though I am all the way in on what they're doing. Right. But if you want to be that person, your five through ten, it it's as bad as close as it gets. And if you're really thinking about talent, I know there's going to be some loyal fans or whatever saying, no, we're not the same as Orange County. According to your points, you're closer to them than Sacramento. And I think that's what we're kind of looking at right now is that the top is pretty defined uh, in the east and then the drop off is big. Meanwhile, the top is really defined in the west, but the rest is just a bloodbath. All right. Two minute warning. And uh, I'll ask you a local question. What's going on with Legion right now? Uh, They had that losing streak in the middle. They've kind of shaken it off a little bit. They've won two in a row. What's going on there that you've been keeping an eye on uh, for your home mat- for your home team? And I mean that home, meaning where you're based. What's going on there with Legion? They seem to. It looks like they're trying to turn it around. Yeah. So in May, you mentioned that. So other than the two U.S. Open Cup wins, they went completely defeated in May, not picking up a single point, hmm. and. A lot of that comes down to, when I talked to Tommy Sohn about this, he was very blunt about it. I was like, what's the difference between May and June? And he said, we have trained for the first time in a month. Because if for people who don't realize, they played over 800 minutes in 21 days. Yep. They When they weren't playing, they were on a flight out somewhere else. They just didn't have a chance to rest. Um, I think that's been a big difference is that they've actually had time to train this year um, or this month. As for this upcoming matches, I mean, that doesn't get any more important than it will. This is the most important stretch of the season, and I don't want to speak too hyperbole there. They're playing the defending champions in San Antonio, who, yes, they'll be without Jordan Farr, but they're also really freaking good at soccer. Um, Then they're playing Las Vegas, which, like I said, they're better than their record says, and they're going to be a harder task than I think uh, a lot of fans will give them credit for. Then you have Tampa Bay, Charleston, Louisville City. Everybody's sitting above you, and you can't go above them if you win. And I think that that kind of hyper-focus on trying to get those wins in a stretch like that really bodes well for this team, especially when you look at the U.S. Open Cup run. If they can just treat this as a mini-tournament for themselves, I think that kind of mentality could get them a lot of points that I think a lot of fans wouldn't be expecting. All right, hit the promo for me. What do folks need to know about what's going on at the USL show? 
Look, the USL show is doing a lot of fun stuff right now. We have our kit show, which if you're big into soccer fashion, we have that going. So check out kit season. Um, that one, uh, there's a new episode that should be going up either today or tomorrow. I don't remember which day I decided to upload it. Um, look, every except for this upcoming Tuesday, because July 4th, we have a show every single Tuesday. And we have a whole lot of more, uh, I guess, like wacky show ideas. Not really wacky. It's just more than recap. Like just recently, we did uh, Down But Not Out, which is we gave every single team outside the playoffs a reason why they should still believe in their team. So if you want to hear about the teams that are not just sitting at the top riding high and get to know a little bit more about the quote-unquote bottom feeders, that's the kind of show for you, and we're going to have more stuff like that on the way. Looking forward to it. At Kaylor Hodges at the USL Show. And if you don't follow uh, John Morrissey because of what he does in breaking down USL tactics, fantastic follow as well. Kaylor, thanks again for hanging out with us and breaking everything down in the USL Championship. We'll keep an eye on you guys, and we'll catch up with you guys again uh, this time next month. Thanks for having me.